where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Ronnie Feldman for another episode. And today we're going to take things, uh, I wouldn't say in a different direction, but in a direction that I've been wanting to visit with Ronnie about for some time. Uh, We talk a lot in this podcast about training, effective training, short entertaining training. Now we're going to really focus on uh, something a little bit different, which is the speak up culture. So Ronnie, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome. Oh yeah. Well, thanks. This is a topic that I'm passionate about. So thank you for bringing it up. So I was really intrigued though, and I have been intrigued about how um, communications and specifically the type of communications that you really advocate a corporate compliance program utilize help around speak up culture. And and maybe we could start with uh, defining what, or what we're talking about when we say a speak up culture. Well, I've actually talked to a lot of companies about this, and everyone has a slightly different um, definition. But for the purposes of this discussion, I'm defining it as creating a social environment where employees feel comfortable speaking up to ask questions, uh, challenge business decisions, and report concerns, uh, as well as knowing what the options are for doing that. So, I've you know some companies will really focus on speaking up to to honestly has nothing to do with ethics to. They want encourage people to challenge business decisions. I think for this audience, we should talk about speaking up to say, that's wrong. Um, I have a question about that. Is that wrong? Uh, you know, the different ways that you can report concerns. So why, in your opinion, is this so difficult to achieve in the corporate setting? I think it's because uh, a lot of companies think about it as training, um, and I think that's problematic in some ways um, because if you're intertwining speak up uh, training about speaking up with training, it's typically then infrequent, uh, right? Because training, you only get so much training that you get to do a year. And traditionally, training tends to be infrequent and long and bloated. That's starting to change. But w- So combining the idea of promoting speak up culture with training is somewhat problematic because it's infrequent. Um, it also tends to be aspirational. uh, And by that, I mean, typically preachy. Um, So you end up with something that's relatively milquetoast, like the dull posters, you know, like everyone just says, you know, here's our hotline or we speak up and it becomes the the literal poster that nobody, that everybody just looks past. Um, And the inspirational part, I mean, I'm not against inspirational ways of doing it, but it still has to be interesting because it can come across as wagging the finger and inauthentic. We're the kind of company that does these things, and then everyone's like, well, what are you talking about? I see problems all the time. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, let's see. um, Well, yeah, and I think it's best to think about it as a campaign. Now, if you think about it, you're cycling new employees into the company all the time. So even if you're doing something once a year or twice a year or during your compliance week, what happens the rest of the time? So these are all the reasons why it's ineffective. It's infrequent, it's preachy, it's often boring, um, and it's not an ongoing thing because these are muscles that you have to flex all the time. 
Let me pick up on one word you used because I've recently seen it associated with compliance in a way that I hadn't really thought about. Use the word authentic. I want to expand it to authenticity. Why do you find that so important in the context of a speak-up culture? It's a great question. I think that um, companies like to hide their problems, right? People don't like to talk about their problems, and and therefore they come across as inauthentic because who knows more about the problems than the people in the company? And so when we say, you know, we're a great company, we do great things, which is great, Everyone's kind of like, yeah, but what about those things that happen over here? Uh, and so our communication tends to um, sometimes not address the elephant in the room, which is that this is a culture is a living, breathing thing that we have to continually work out to get better. So I think actually there's some benefit uh, of being about authentic about what's really happening, um, sharing problems that come up, whether that's sharing them through um, sort of a masked case study, sharing the number of people, uh, maybe not the names, but the number of people who have been, uh, uh, that are, have been investigated for problems. You know, I've had some companies actually say we fire every year X amount of people. That's a little scare tactic-y, but like the idea of a, telling people that when stuff goes wrong, we will address it, um, so I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I think, oh, uh, the other part of this I think would be is be, em, being empathetic for how the end user might f- think about it. So often, not just ethics compliance, but communicators and business leaders in general communicate in a way that's convenient for them. That's something that they want to say and the way they want to say it. Lawyers do that a lot. Um, but as an improviser, we often think about how is a message best received. So I think things come across as inauthentic when you push out communications versus think about how you need to say it in a way that can be best heard. Ronnie, one of the things that I have struggled with in terms of speak up, uh, literally starting when my teenage daughter asked me about it, is um, it seems that that is something either we grew up with not wanting to do, or somehow, although our heart says it's the right thing to do, maybe we've been trained or society even has told us, you know, maybe this is this is not the th- right thing to do. How do you begin to deal with some of those problems? Yeah, well, so the, this is why speak up culture is, the, to me, the biggest challenge within a, any company. And it's, I think it's, uh, I've been yelling from the rafters about this since I got into this this community, which is that you can train people all day long, and that training can be great, and it doesn't address what we're talking about here, which is that it is hard to get people to change their mindset and their behavior when there's a whole culture that grew up with, you don't tattletale on your sister. You know, they're all the different versions of that, you know, don't be a snitch, it's ingrained in a lot of us. And and you not only have to just introduce a new idea, you have to undo that thinking. Um, most companies, uh, successful companies that I've worked with that focus on this have surveys and they can tell you all the reasons, uh, that the, all the common excuses. Uh, it's nothing will happen anyway. Someone else will probably take care of it. Uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble or I'm a no drama llama, (laughs) you know, keep your head down and your nose clean. Like those are all the different phrases that we all grow up with. And you can't just change that overnight. So 
the way to reverse that thinking is to continually barrage people with the opposite uh, and to do that in an interesting and authentic way. That won't happen overnight. This is why you know you can't do the once a month, once a month, once a year, once a quarter campaign. You have to find a way to do it continually. We're the kind of company that does this. These are the things that happen. When this happens, do you know what to do? Um, yeah, I, I've sort of. Uh, I feel like the way you build trust about the process is to constantly reinforce that it's not tattletaling. When you see a problem, to make this place better. You need to speak up. Here are the ways to do that. Yeah, it's not simply um, setting out the policy. Now, that's not the right phrase. It's not just telling them the procedure. It seems to be really a transparency in, in every aspect. It's transparency in the procedure. It's transparency in the reporting. And it's a transparency in what happens once someone raises their hand. Could you maybe talk about why you think transparency is so important? Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, so... We talk a lot about, just to set this up, we talk a lot about communication. So communication is extremely important. You got to do that continuously, often, in as many places as possible, get the message out over and over and over again. Uh, Transparency is is important because, as we say, you got to share what happens. A lot of people uh, don't feel like there's organizational justice because they may report something and they never hear about it. Now, there may be rules why you can't comment on a specific thing, but you can communicate more broadly to the organization about, like, this is how many things have happened. Here's what happened in those situations when those came up. Um, you also can be transparent about the mechanics of the process. So once you actually get people to use the hotline or talk to another leader or talk to ethics compliance, what happens then? What process they go to? And that's where you can get into the mechanics of confidentiality, anonymity, um, uh, a lot of people don't know that, like, if you use the hotline, that you can do that anonymously and still report the behavior without actually leaving your name. You know, these are the things that people need to know, that there's an investigation process and not always everybody is fired, that sometimes, and a lot of times people don't want people to be fired. They just want the behavior, to, the bad behavior to stop. So that's what I mean when we're talking about transparency. One of the things that we don't really, or we haven't really focused on, I don't think, in this podcast series, but it seems to be a key component of not only improv, but sort of the types of trainings that you advocate is not speak up, but listen up. And listening is as important as the skill of speaking up. I was wondering how you see listen up as not only establishing trust, but in a much broader way, facilitating an entire speak up culture. Yeah, that, well, so great, great point. Um, I tend to sometimes minimize training when I talk about traditional training, and I'm mostly talking about the e-learning modules that are terrible or, you know, boring or too long or, you know, those kinds of things. But I do think this is an instance when we talk about training as it relates to speak of culture, we're really talking about management. I think that's a great role. I think I, if I had a, a large company and running an ethics program, I would spend a lot of time focusing on how to train managers to deal with problematic behavior when it occurs. Um, part of this is giving them a simple process. So if you prefer that they pass that off to ethics and compliance, then, then constantly reinforce that, that uh, the way that you want them to do that. Um, what me and my company can do to, to, uh, in this area is we focus on soft skills, 
how to diffuse emotional situations, how to make people feel comfortable coming to you. Um, so it, it's the, we've talked about this at all, older podcasts about improv philosophy, about having a yes and mon- mindset. Yes and is not about agreement. Yes and is about um, a f- uh, attitude of gratitude, uh, affirming on uh, affirming what you've heard and building on that so you can solve problems together. And attitude of gratitude is about you need to be grateful for information no matter what it is and no matter how you feel about it. So the point being is teach leadership management how to be more approachable about these issues. Um, Amy Edmondson talks about this in her book about um, – uh, uh, about oh, I can't think of the phrase that she uses, um, but it's basically a, 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 about getting people to constant. You need to constantly ask people to disagree and to bring up problems. This is what management needs to do: constantly reinforce that you need to come to us with problems that we're not going to bite your head off. We're going to listen to you, and if there's a problem, we as a company will support you. Ronnie, can I take everything you've just said over the past thirteen plus minutes and now overlay? A working from home environment. How do we continue this communication? How do we continue this dialogue? How do we continue to get people not only to to raise their hand and speak up, but also to listen up when our work environment has radically changed from where we were three and a half months ago? Well, yeah, it isn't out of challenge because one way to build trust is to make personal connections with people to, you know, uh, well, we were, um, a lot of ethics programs make a big big point about being seen in the hallways and being at meetings and being at strategy meetings and having your face out there. So it's, it is a little bit more of a challenge when you don't get that FaceTime. But the good news is there's still, look, people are still communicating through Zoom, WebEx, Skype, and all that. So um, you can, uh, uh, we've cr- started creating like talk shows and podcasts to help ethics officers record um conversations uh, so to, to record a short video of us interviewing them about um, what's important to them so that that's a way for for an ethics officer to get FaceTime but not just push out a talking head video um, that's actually a great forum to create a little mini video show of answering questions from the audience so there's ways to make personal connections even when we're working remotely the other uh, thing is you know we 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 tend to make short, interesting videos. Um, so whether you use our stuff or your own stuff, the idea of a short, interesting video can be used as a commercial. Uh, so a commercial can be placed. Uh, if you have an hour-long Zoom call, whether it has something to do with a product or a sales strategy or any other kind of thing, you can have an ethics message pop up for 60 seconds in there. And if it's short and interesting, that gives you visibility um, on those platforms, there's Yammer, Slack, Jive, all these um, uh, different social collaboration sites are ways to communicate using sort of social media channels. That's a great avenue to reach people in a remote environment. The apps, right? We keep talking about, you know, every company's got an app now. You can certainly push out content that way. Um, what uh, We I just actually created a, a short video series that's like stories, little case studies, um, and one of my clients is developing a, a facilitation guide around that. So push out a little short two to five minute video, give a facilitation guide to a, a manager, have them have a little discussion around it. All these things can be done through this sort of work from remote, re, 
work remotely, Zoom, WebEx environment. Ronnie, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but uh, look forward to uh, seeing uh, where we go with our next podcast where we talk about uh, speak up culture and creativity. I look forward to continuing the conversation. All right. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.